I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Treehouse, episode 59, Chattelships, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Yes, it is Louise Pepper, Louise Napoleon Pepper, the great granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. I'm turning into Alec Guinness. Welcome, welcome. You're probably wondering why I've asked you here. <laughs> in the treehouse, it's a good deed in a wicked world. If this is your first one, uh, we are timeless. Oh, to you. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. And look, behind, look over our shoulders. There's 58 other shows backed up uh, and plenty more to come. I'm having to husband our resources these days, perhaps. Husband oh. our resources in, in, in lieu of the uh, launch coming up next Oh, yes, of course. I won't dwell on that just now. It's called Chattelships uh, uh, because on the um, uh, Five Live show, once I tried to replace the sausage sandwich game with a terrific game. Oh called Chattelships, where you played basically a version of Battleships, but with um, your own possessions scattered around a grid. So uh, uh, I could say to you, you know, um, uh, you could say to me, B4. And I'd say, no, no, that's my original David Bowie first album. Well, there I am, you can't have that. And we're going to do that uh, when we go onto the Patreon. Every Tuesday, we'll get somebody on the phone. Uh, they can't cheat. They'll have to send Phil their grid first, or to you, Peps. You can say, hang on you. You just gave a swerve to your... Oh, I'll enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we might play the first game, you and I. That'll be fun. <gasps> uh, but anyway, we're a game. We're holding up. We're holding up the uh, nation, speaking unto nation, which is the show itself. That's the fridge freezer, by the way. Perhaps a lot of people oh. saying Pepsi's fridge freezer thing in the garden. What a move. What a move. Well, it got it got drenched in the downpours that we had that nobody else seemed Ooh. to have. Did you open the um, knife drawer and it was working? Oh. <laughs> That would have been something. Uh, so it's still out there. Is it a thing in the still middle? Still out there. A new one that doesn't arrive until next Thursday. And then they're mm. going to take that one away. And I think they're going to look somewhat askance mm. at the sodden, no-handled... You can't, you can't go to the moth that the go going to go, around. yeah, can you take this? They're like sodden. Because here, over here in SE3, in, in south-east London, we are starting to rival that place in Peru. still not had it rained? Still not, still not rained. No, it's still not rained. We thought, for, we thought the other night, we went outside, and uh, the railing that leads up to our door, we said, look, it's been raining, there's drops on it. But it turns out um, uh, one of the dogs had sneezed. So that's, uh, <laughs> but we, honestly, we haven't. Oh, we had biblical drop. rain. Biblical not, rain not in Surrey. Oh, absolutely uh, torrential. Let me have a look here, what's going on? To, oh, man, what's going on today? Um, as, as, as you, uh, I'm so sorry, everybody. You know, perhaps and I had launched into this thing as if, uh, you know, you're in a doctor's waiting room outside. Welcome aboard, everyone. And I understand what you're saying. Come on, like everybody else. Our eyes are turning towards Cologne in Germany. On this day, we're recording this on the 14th. All eyes, perhaps, are mm -hmm. on Cologne in Germany because it's not just one thing in Cologne today, but two things happened in Cologne. Uh, first thing, and this is odd, uh, in, on August the 14th, 1248. What a nutty day. 
1248. <laughs> Not a year. I really think about that. That's a digital time. Oh, I've, I've often thought of that. There's like the year 1011. <laughs> what are you thinking? The year 910. <laughs> I know we've had, you know, um, 1920, but it's not as funny as, you know, 1112. That's a funny date. They must have fallen around. Uh, uh, so anyway, on August the 14th, 1248, mm. restoration began on Cologne Cathedral, which had been the, uh, uh, a huge fire that brought it to the ground. And restoration began on, in Cologne Cathedral on August the 14th, 1248. Now, that's as dry as a bone. Yes. You think, well, so what? Well, they finished the restoration of it also on August the 14th, <gasps> 1880, 632 <laughs> years later. <laughs> on schedule they said they'd bring it in on August the 14th and they did 632 years later makes that rail line we've got going look like a fuss about nothing 632 years the restoration of Cologne Cathedral man and what are the chances it would end on the same day it started but uh, no no they, they somewhere around the 12th of August someone went hang on lads I know yeah. hold that brick hold that brick your cathedral is being delivered. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> 632 years, and that, that was plenty. Hats mm. off to Cologne for that. But then uh, I found that Johann Maria Farina uh, today invented Eau de Cologne. Eau de Cologne, of course, means water of Cologne, by the way. How about that? You haven't thought of that before, have you, Cologne? No. It is. A cologne is from Cologne. And, yes, is, it and, is. Isn't, and isn't it one of the things we know about Cologne is that Cologne isn't called Cologne, or is it? No, it is called Cologne. Oh, it's, it's not one of those ones we've given them an English name and it's not what it's called at all, is it? No, it, eau de Cologne is a thing, uh, no. and it, it's uh, a weakened perfume. But in America, yes, of course, they now mean any any uh, aftershave is a Cologne. Yes. Uh, uh, I keep saying Cologne. It's one of those words that's not going to make any sense to me in a minute. But Eau de Cologne, 1709, while they, they were finishing up the last things on the cathedral. We only had <laughs> another 160 years to go. Uh, and um, uh, so Eau de Cologne came via Johann Maria Farina, a load of um, uh, uh, citrus oils and things like that. And uh, and just like you did, Peps, because we are one and the same, I started thinking, is Cologne a thing? Mm. And I thought I'd go to Amazon and look up Cologne, but it wasn't oh, a lot. There, wasn't, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a lot there, to tell the truth. There wasn't a lot there. And then, a question, if, you, if we'd have been sitting opposite each other like we used to, uh, and we will, and we, we will again, uh, and I'll get control over me, little sound effects and everything. Uh, but uh, I thought, okay, so what are the, the, the cheaper end of the market? You know, what Ooh, is, yes. how, much, uh, how much, let's talk about perfume rather than cologne. Mm. Uh, would you buy cheap perfume, perhaps? No, no inference, you know, if you would, would you buy a cheap I've bought, I suppose you get, you know, like a body shop one. I've bought in my time, no, 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 or a, you know, um, um, the, the clothes shop Zara do. And you know, if I'm stood there in the queue and you have a little spritz and you go, oh, that's quite nice, fifteen quid. That's, that's fifteen right. quid. A lot of people say, whoa, whoa. I'm not talking about that end of the market. Do you remember in London's Oxford Street? And I trust in the various city centres around Britain, the fellows used to sell them off stalls in Oxford Street. Oh yeah, knockoff ones. They, they claimed they weren't. You could buy Chanel there for fifty pence and plenty of takers. Just along down from where the bloke was doing the three card trick <laughs> that's incredible though that i know it's probably now 20 years ago we used to walk along london streets and people would be out there with trestle tables doing three card trick find the lady have a look out there and everything just along there who likes chanel here's your chanel get just one pound fifty your chanel and off they go running when the police come around so i thought i'd look up the very lowest end of Ooh. the um, uh, of the perfume market how see, low are we talking 
Well, uh, you, you'll hear. I mean, uh, no inference. If these work for you, that's great. Uh, we've done lots of products like this. The show, by the way, the actual show, this isn't it. If you've not heard the tree, tr this ain't it. The show ain't started yet. This, it, we're, 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 we are our own support band. Uh, I know, and you're all slow hand clapping, saying, bring on Pink Floyd. Uh, but, um, uh, so I looked up uh, what people have said about, and a lot of people satisfied with them. Uh, but what people have said about the lower end of the perfume market, and I promise you, I won't name the product that are all on Amazon. These are not made up. These are all real. real. So there's a perfume on there for £1.53. £1.53 free postage one pound 53 you've just pulled off you winced <laughs> one pound 53 uh and there's quite a few one-star reviews of it in fact most of them are uh things like not nice somebody just put that uh, what did you think? and then somebody's put all the vapor went out of this bottle in a few days right there's that there's the, and that's kind of what you think but then there's a five-star review now i i'm not i'm i'm, I'm no cynic but I think this is the person selling it or the product manufacturer because amongst all the not nice rubbish, the vapor went out of this bottle in a few days, suddenly there's this one. You want a perfume for a family gathering, for the office or the gym? This is it. It's absolutely gorgeous, warm but gentle. Tell them you've flown in from the Middle East via a <laughs> Arab. <laughs> it's named after the Queen of Sheba. And for the few pounds it costs you, you can be confident you won't smell like anyone else in the room. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know. Trust I... me, your local passerby for this. <laughs> I love that line. Tell them you've had it flown in from the Middle East by a wealthy Arab. <laughs> and yeah, that sounds like the kind of thing, you know, I think I'll leave a great review for this. So there's that one. Uh, then then there's uh, uh, this 399 one. Okay. And this gets regular, you know, poor reviews. Uh, hardly any smell at all. This is just like water. Uh, uh, this is not a genuine perfume. And then there's, this isn't worth it. It smells cheap. 3.99 the big bottle of perfume it's honestly it's the size of a bottle of fairy liquid and it smells cheaper 3.99 uh it's a, it's a two pound one a two pound perfume it's a it's a solid perfume uh, uh this one right it's a solid perfume Ooh. which i'm not sure quite what that is but um anyway so well i i had one like, they're almost like um like a lip balm and you sort of just rub oh, it okay. on okay you know okay dip your finger well, in and rub it on uh I bought this solid perfume on the reviews given. If you like that kind of smell, then you win. I found the smell rather strong, and it reminded me of my granny in that kind of old smell. Also, I have sensitive skin, and I came out with in a rash five minutes after that, but that's just my skin, I suppose. The postage was quick, though. Underneath it's got 16 people have found this comment helpful. Well, yes. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, how about this one? A 60 pence perfume. Oh, good. 60 pence fragrance. There are no reviews. It just says, be first to review this item. <laughs> the other people who have bought it haven't lived long enough to review it. <laughs> 60 pence perfume. A couple of more. It's another £2 one. I was not able to apply it. This is one another, another one for that solid perfume. £2. Mm. I was not able to apply it on the skin. The stuff is too dry and brittle. Nevertheless, it makes for a very nice draw and wardrobe freshener. Ah, oh, well, that's, 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 that, that, that's resourceful. Just two more, because I'm coming to my favourite. $4.99, free, free postage. This smells just like cheap perfume. <laughs> I am disappointed. I went to Bulgaria, and I fell in love with the roses there, and this product bears that name and bears very little resemblance to it. 
I love my stay there. That's a lovely, lovely little window into the life, a nice window into the life. But here we go. This is my favorite. This is a five pound perfume. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah. Top of the range we are now down in the basement. Five pound uh, uh, perfume, <clears throat> free postage, five pound. Mm. This perfume was a huge letdown. As soon as I sprayed it on my wrist, I experienced a coughing fit provoked by the stuff. Also, the area of skin on which I'd sprayed it began to itch within the first minute. I immediately washed the stuff off and thank goodness the irritation started to calm down. This has never happened to me before with perfumes. As for the fragrance itself, my son thought it was acceptable and detected aqua and marine notes. To me, it smelled obnoxious and overwhelming. The rest of the range could be worth a try though. How about that bit at the end? I'm willing. Maybe like I should... to be fair. I know. The sun. And what's the sun like? I don't know, mother. I detect um, aqua and marine notes in a five-pound perfume the size of a bottle of bleach. Uh, so there it is. Uh, hats off to Johan Maria Farina, who got the whole eau de cologne thing going in 1709. And what are we continuing with ourselves? Perhaps we'll be doing we have for your delectation hold on here it is number one pets stealing or hiding stuff mm. number two mad things in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. number three nicknames you're stuck with got a great one on that number four ever set a trap for someone and number five dares involving celebrities thank you very much indeed for all your correspondence now I keep saying I don't want to you know cast a shadow over things but uh, uh, in a week's time we are launching everything under one roof, including these shows and everything else. Uh, it will go via Patreon, and I hope, I hope this will be uh, forever for me and Peps, and with your patronage, of course, we can continue forward. But that's the only way, from there on, the show can be contributed to, and you've been very, very good to us in the past. Uh, let's take this forward and not worry about the wicked world one bit. What do you got over there, Peps? Well, I'm going to start this. Um, this would ordinarily be your sort of reverie music. This is from okay. Susan. First trip to the cinema. The preface to this story is to imagine rural, small-town North Carolina in the early 1960s. Being a fellow child of the spring of 57, there are any number of things present then that have fallen by the wayside today, but one which has eluded my English husband to his disappointment is the drive-in movies. When I was still of a preschool age, my parents would often go to the drive-in movies and not wishing to trouble with a sitter for me would take me along. The back seat of the car was my domain with pyjamas and a blanket for when I could resist the arms of Morpheus no more. Oh. My memory is from when I was around four or five and on such an outing, the film was Imitation of Life starring Lana Turner. <laughs> I can't tell you at which part I fell asleep, but even today when I catch scenes from this film, I think of a back seat with tuck and roll upholstery and a speaker sitting on a partially rolled down window. The site of that drive-in has long since been redeveloped, but in the days of social distancing, what could be better? And they are, they are bringing them back, aren't they? Yeah, I, 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 saw, I saw a Twitter thing the other day, because it, it does like so many things, I'm sorry to interrupt, so many things that we romance from America. We try them here, and they're no good. Uh, and somebody did a, one, a really heartbreaking um, one on driving movies the other day. There was that La La Land showing, and they showed the Facebook advertisement for it. And there were mm. all these, well, frankly, American cars with this massive, vibrant screen with the dancers leaping through it. And then underneath, she put, she took her two daughters to it. Underneath, there was just some shabby car park with <laughs> various British cars in front, all on the same level. And in front, the kind of screen you have in a pub Honestly, a screen no bigger than most people's front rooms. They and there they were, all the cars sitting there and watching, trying to make out this little screen in the distance. So our correspondent. Well, we can't all be like Susan. No, uh, mention tuck and roll upholstery. 
I don't know what that is. In in American Graffiti, I remember when Cindy Williams gets into the car and she says to Toad, wow, tuck and roll upholstery? I love tuck and roll upholstery. And at the time I stood not along with it. No idea what that could possibly mean. Uh, this is a, this is about nicknames you're stuck with. And I, I adore this. Uh, this is from Mitz. M-I-T-Z, everyone. Mitz is in touch. Mitz says, my nickname is Mitz. I've had it since primary school, 46 years ago. It all started when I got picked for the school football team. Nobody wanted a going goal and used the ball to, because the ball used to sting like anything if somebody unleashed a thunderbolt that hit you on your thigh. I volunteered to go in goal though, and as we were warming up, in truth huddling together not to be cold, I noticed that the goalkeeper on the other side was wearing a brand new pair of Peter Shilton goalkeeping gloves, real goalkeeping gloves. Instantly my heart sank as I thought he must be good to have a pair of goalkeeping gloves. Not to be outdone, I rushed back to the changing rooms and I got out the red mittens my mum threaded through the arms of my parker on a string, and I raced back to the game. Steve Morley uh, sent a forward shout for the ball. Here, Mitz, boot the ball up here. And Mitz, I became from my red mittens. Everybody called me Mitz from that moment on, and it carried on all through my schools and my jobs. You know what? My mum and dad both called me Mitz. Today, managers at work call me Mitz. My wife calls me Mitz. I'd like to say the mittens were like Billy's boots and made me unbeatable between the sticks, but no, we were thumped 6-0 and I never went anywhere near the goal again. Anyway, all the best from, well, you know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Mitz. But his mum and dad called him Mitz. And then his I love mum... that they just give it up, right? Mitz, right, Mitz. Mitz, from one single slip your whole life. Uh, gets coloured. One more quick one, Peps. We'll do a break and then we're back with some absolute belters. Um, this is uh, one of our richest themes is identity parades. Mm -hmm. And this is from <laughs> Simon. Back in the 90s, I was at university in Bangor and directly opposite our engineering faculty was the local police station. And occasionally a policeman would wander across and ask for volunteers for the identity parade. A fiver in those days, but still free money. As I was a postgraduate, I was there through the summer when the department was pretty quiet. And one day we got an email asking for volunteers, men aged 20 to 25. Pop over at 2 p.m., it said. He had never done one before, so I was straight over. I was led into a room and the suspect was there looking shifty, definitely guilty as far as I was concerned. Mm. Similar build to me, clean shaven, similar height, six foot. The policeman then brought in another four of my colleagues from my department. They were all Mexican. None were taller than five foot eight and all had luxuriant moustaches. The suspect looked at me, looked at them, and then turned and faced the front. We all stood there for a few minutes and we filed out, collecting the crisp fivers. Gracias, gracias, thank you, gracias. I never did find out if this was just lax police procedure or whether the witness description actually was. It was either a tall Welshman or a small Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. They never failed. I've never, never come within a, a, a mile of being in a, in a, a line-up parade. Neither has anyone I've ever known. Jury duty did the same thing. So very, very fortunate. You've done, you've done jury duty, haven't you? No, I, I was... I'm, it's a shame, actually. I was signed up for it in um, the Old Bailey, so it probably would have been mm. juicy. You say um, But I was sitting um, my exams at uni, so they exempted me from, from doing the duty, and they've never asked me again. I've, 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 I'm the audience, I'm sure, will recall me saying this over the years, and I don't know if I've ever told you... Uh, in the school holidays, um, my dad used to take me to the Old Bailey. Do you, have I told you that? 
my mate used to take it. Yeah, he used to take me and my brother, but it was often me to the old Bailey to watch trials. He, he did. I'm not joking. I, we, we used to go to the British Museum and the stuff and the War Museum, and then he'd say to me, "Do you want to come to the old Bailey?" And I'll go, you know, I'm about seven, eight. All right, Dad. And we used to go to the old Bailey and sit in the visitors' gallery. But for some reason, and I promise you, we used to walk right up the stairs in the old Bailey. Uh, and at the top would be all the security men or police. Then there'd be a, there's, a, there's a big um, sort of a communal room with doors all off of it to the different courts. And uh, we'd walk in, and we've met him before or not. My old man seemed to know everyone, and they all seemed to know him. And we'd walk into this room, and he'd say, uh, what's a good one? He, he, keep easy, because he's got to see it as well. And they'd say, oh, don't go in one and two. It's a bit strong for him. Uh, three's no good. It's just fraud. It's all... I'll tell you what, try six. That ain't bad. It's a robbery and a bloke. And they'd fill it in on, on, on what's happened. And we'd go... In... Honestly, I did this about 20 times. We'd go into the court and sit there. And they'd be downstairs saying, yeah, hearing, you know, echoing around. So are you telling us that on the 18th, as you claim... And my old man would lean forward. The bloke in the dock, right? He's had a, he's, he's been, what he's done, he's, he's took money from him, but he's saying, and he would film me in it like it was a soap opera. And we'd sit there for a while, for an hour, and he'd go, you had enough? And we'd go. He used to take me to watch trials. And, and he used to roar with laughter, and I never knew why sometimes. I wasn't old enough. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are, of course, drifting all over the place. We're going to take a short break. Uh, you can hear these messages, and we're coming back with some absolute pips. We'll be right back. Good morning everybody, it's the Danny Baker Show Radiating out across the airwaves Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. And we're back again. Um, uh, so let's say in a, in a week's time, uh, we're going to be uh, informing you of the changes. It won't be much. As they always say, price of a magazine, you get these shows. And I've got to tell you, a cornucopia of other things that are... Oh, I, you've I been busy. Oh, man, have I. Yeah. Oh, you've been busy. Album reviews, but the diaries, I've got to say, the diaries is, is better than any book I've ever written, I hope. Uh, one, one of the funnier things you, you, you'll read out there, but we'll give you the two ways of uh, joining us in a week's time. But for the moment, um, I can't let this day pass otherwise. Uh, M. Waldo Hanchett, M. Waldo Hanchett, uh, invented the adjustable dentist chair. Now, it, it, it's, uh, I'm not sure what year he did this, in about 1870-something. I don't know what they did before that. He may have got lashed to a chair, but he invented the adjustable one. It says he invented it by attaching a neck extension to a four-legged chair. Well, that doesn't seem particularly like it. it. That's just moving your head back and forth, hasn't it? It is, but I suppose that was a boom. Uh, then he, he invented one with a foot lever, and they do have that, the dentist. They go, oh, mm. <laughs> I've been a dentist in donkey's years, but I've forgotten they have the old junk, dunk, 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 foot lever. <laughs> and then later on, he uh, found one that was uh, could go horizontal and included a spittoon. So Ooh, there you go. The um, essential. Waldo Hanchett. I don't know if, if on the boulder, Phil, there is the uh, sound effect of the dentist drill, because I know people get a kick out of that. So if there is, here's uh, 10 seconds of that. And mercifully, if there wasn't, you heard nothing but a small gap there. But <laughs> I love I love the dentist chair. It cheers everybody up. Uh, this is uh, about uh, uh, pets that will steal things. And this is, this is, this is quite poignant, as I find. It's from Kieran. Mm. And Kieran says, The first dog I owned as an adult was a rescue dog from the RSPCA in Leicester. 
He was of undeterminate age and according to their dog wardens, had not ever really ventured outside too much. Anyway, Tiger, which was not our name, but we felt it cruel to change it, seemed to be settling in after those first few weeks. He had a tendency to bark at water, but nothing we couldn't live with. One afternoon, I was having a leisurely bath when Tiger poked his head round the door, looked at me, and then very carefully picked up my boxer shorts on the floor and left the bathroom. After witnessing this, I finished my bath and went to track him down. I found him in his basket with what I can describe as a magpie's hoard. Apart from my boxers, there were knives and forks, some old shampoo bottles taken from recycling, and an impressive amount of socks. I couldn't be angry with him, as he had never really had his own space before, let alone his own possessions. A couple of weeks later, he walked into the front room holding a freshly cooked chicken in between his paws, his jaws, and dropped it right at my feet and looked at me like he presented a king with his gift. I had to say, lovely, thank you, well done. But of course, it was the chicken I'd taken out of the oven 15 minutes previous. <laughs> oh, and that's sweet. That is just beautiful. Thank you, Kieran. I like the idea. I bet nice Kieran ate it. Bet you any money, Kieran ate it. Oh, it would take a lot more canine punctures to stop me having the good chicken. Uh, but they, they, I love the idea there was knives and forks in there. Wandering around the house, you thought, oh, I'll, I'll have them. I'll have that. I'll have them. How about the other day? This is in the diaries, but it's, uh, I can't help but tell the stories. Uh, uh, it, I think what's come out of them, and there's something like 30,000 words just up to date, and I'll continue them every single day, uh, and you'll get weekly instalments on them. Uh, shove over Alan Bennett. Uh, but the, the, the dogs, my dogs, perhaps, uh, Tintin and mm. Bear, particularly Bear, is going to become a huge, huge star because of this, because he's, he's not very bright, as we know. He is, yes, he is a lovable, but he's not he's not very bright. And uh, he falls over quite a bit, particularly up the stairs out to our garden. And uh, uh, often he'll come in with things in his fur. He's a lovely, pure white dog, and he's very adorable, but he's, mm. he's absolutely got bubbles for a brain. He's, there's nothing there. And uh, not like his brother. And uh, uh, he often falls up the, the stone steps out to the garden. Oh, bear, are you all right? By the time you get to him, though, he's forgot all about it. Um, but the other day we were in the kitchen, he came in, and under his chin you could see a real abrasion real and oh. yeah we both exactly but he doesn't like being picked up so we kind of bear coming out and as you walk towards him he scoots under the uh, uh table out in the in, in, in kitchen and uh it, once he's under there because it's against the wall it's hard to get him and this heat getting down on hands uh. and, come here bear come here uh and we couldn't and then he scooted out and around the island in the kitchen out the garden again upset anyway so it, we couldn't catch him and we thought we'll find him in a minute but we knew his chin looked bad and uh and eventually we went out to go and find him and this is a big old house as you know peps mm. and i went upstairs um, we eventually found him in mancy's old bedroom under the bed uh oh. going down on the hands and knees but i tried the usual coaxing voices but he won't move uh and i could see this thing and so i leant in and i had to grab him by the leg and just haul him out and we held him down and we turned him over and he, and he hadn't cut his chin it was a piece of bubble gum <laughs> anyway, it was a piece of bubble gum. Somehow, somehow, where that came from, no one chews gum. It was a bit of bubble gum on his chin. <laughs> oh, imagine how horrific that must have looked. It looked, it, 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 it raw it, it, pink flesh. It wasn't flat as a pan, right against his lower jaw there, and when got a toothbrush and we got it out. But it was a bit of bubble gum. And that is Bear, uh, and that's one of the, that, I was writing that the other day, and I must say, as soon as it happened, Wendy said to me, she went, you're going to write this, I said, yeah, <laughs> this is gold. Uh, so uh, uh, Bear will be one of the big stars of it. What you got there, Peps? Well, Andrew Norwich um, has sent in a story. In yeah, yeah, that bit, what, what bit, who? Andrew in Norwich mm -hmm. 
has inadvertently given me a lesson because he's written, oh. reference your previous topic on shivers. On what? Shivers. Shivers? Shivers. So it must be 45 plus years ago. I don't know whether that's the topic or his story. Oh. Anyway, I'm reading the story. I think, no, he... Well, I'll read the story and then I'll go back to... I've, I've, I've looked into this. <laughs> One hot summer's day, I was shirtless playing on someone else's garage roof when a grumpy old lady came to chase me away. My quickest route of escape was over the side to an alleyway below where, unbeknownst to me, was a wooden fence. As I dropped down, my stomach was full of a chunk of fence. When I ran home in somewhat discomfort, I was put in the bath. My mum spent an hour or so pulling out a hundred or so shivers. Oh, okay. I'll never do that again, he says. So I said, shivers, he means splinters. And then you look up, shivers, a small piece splinter fragment or chip dialectical for a splinter in Norfolk, and that is Andrew in Norwich. Well, yes, and... and, and I've sliver. never heard of that. And slivers also in America, they call a splinter a sliver. Do you know what they call it? Oh, oh my God, a sliver. They would stay in films, and it took me a long while to read... Uh, I've not had a, pl- a, 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 a sliver, a splinter, a shiver for a very, very long time. Uh, and uh, the other the other day I got one, I, I can't say I found it uh, terrible, because it's worth it. No, for that moment, you get a little oh, bit on the yeah. end and then in one piece, oh, that's worth it. That really was. Uh, I couldn't get and I got the old tooth on there and then, oh, in one. Like taking off tight shoes. Uh, here's another, a couple of quick tweets we had. Uh, mm. Both of these are, are tremendous, I think. Uh, this was about, because um, uh, we were talking about on the last show when the phone goes and I said, where are you? Or you remember something late. Oh. And Kevin got in touch. And we don't we don't uh, encourage it by Twitter uh, because, you know, we mainly know because I, I, I never see the replies anyway. But if you if you go to inthetreehousepod at gmail.com, we see everything. Certainly Phil does. Uh, but Kevin got in touch and said, what about when I forgot my brother's birthday? I was working lots of hours and I was under a lot of stress. And when did I remember it was my brother's birthday? Well, of course, when the card dropped through my door, because we are twins. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. And just while we're here on, on the on the tweets, uh, Rob says uh, this this again. Everyone, it's, it, brevity can sometimes really do things. This is uh, oh no, this is um. Uh, he sent us a, a thing from the uh, Daily Telegraph in 2010. I do apologise. Uh, and this is about nicknames. In the 70s, I had a friend whose name was Steve Pratt, and he got so fed up with being called Pratty, he changed his name by deed poll to Steve Smith. And since then, he's been known as Pratty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Rob, for highlighting that for us. One more, Peps. What you got? This is from. Um, oh, I've lost his name. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh no, he says it. He says it therein, so we're fine. Mm-hmm. This is all about comics. As a child, one year on the run-up to the summer school holidays, I invested a whole month's worth of pocket money in postage stamps and plain postcards to send in jokes to the letter pages, <laughs> Wizard and Chips, the Beano, Dandy, etc., etc., in the hope of winning more than the pocket money I had invested. Each day, the postman would shake his head. But on the day we left for the coast, he chased our car, waving a letter from the Beano. It contained a 10-shilling postal order. Wow. On the return back to school, I was stopped by an older boy and asked if I was the Scott McFarlane from the Beano. 
I was a celebrity in my own playtime. Oh, how lovely! How lovely! Many, many years ago, I was um, uh, 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 honoured to be a, a character in the Beano briefly. Oh, this is better than your spitting image puppet. I walked, uh, yeah, I, I was I was in Roy the Rovers. Quite a few things. Oh no, those those are the real things. Don't got those worthless baubles they dish out at the Sonys. Uh, and then after that, for weeks afterwards, all you're getting through your letterboxes. Uh, flyers from fiber knife you know wall polishing services no I, I, I think i'll put them on ebay one of these days uh, uh julian just gets in touch via an, an old subject all our subjects remain open and always will um in uh in 61 59 shows we've done now you can go back over over 300 subjects surely it's got to be done by now and this was uh, people your grandparents didn't care for oh uh he says i write this on the anniversary of the death of jim reeves a long time ago, you did famous people your parents really disliked, or some such topic. <laughs> Thank you, Julian. And my grandmother, who lived in Kiltimar, uh, Kiltimara, County Mayo, in the west of Ireland, was a massive Jim Reeves fan. One night, he was booked to play in town, which was a huge deal for a small rural place. Only to take one look at the piano on offer, he said it wasn't up to his standard, and he cancelled the gig. <gasps> she never forgave him, especially as he did his show somewhere else on the same night. He'll have to go, indeed. Now, uh, I looked this up, and it's absolutely true. Uh, I, I looked up, and, and Julian sent me a proof of it as well. Jim Reeves, playing in a, a sold-out concert in a, yes, an out-the-way place, turned up and said the piano wasn't up to scratch. That's not the country way, let me tell you. That's not the country way. That's also, in Ireland, in whenever, what, 50-something, if you turn around and said, has anyone got a piano? Yeah, absolutely. Every home would have had a piano, every, surely, every, and every pub. Every country music player, you put thumbtacks on the on the uh, little hammers, makes a lovely sound, a beautiful, beautiful sound. Uh, it, speaking of follow-ups as well, thank you very much to the several people actually, who were after we mentioned um, uh, where was it, the place that's on fire all the time, uh, oh. cent, not Centerville or Centralia, Centralia yes. in uh, the place that's been burning and abandoned now in America. So they thought they'd get all the uh, uh, trash out of town and, and uh, build a new landfill for it, filled it up, didn't realise it was on top of this abandoned seam, set fire to it, and as we discussed the other week, it set fire to the underground seams and it's been burning ever since. You go on uh, YouTube, put in Centralia, you can see the road close signs, but people drive by them just to look at the fire coming out of the road in the surrounding countryside. But, uh, uh, of course, Turkmenistan has uh, its own hat in that ring. Thank you for the people who said that ge uh, geologists in uh, Karakum Desert looking for oil reserves. They set up a rig and started drilling in a likely spot. Unfortunately, the rig itself was above a cavity filled with natural gas and the weight of the rig collapsed the ground into a crater. The gas leaked out uh, and made a flare. They set fire to it. It's expected to last a few days, but it is still burning from 1971. It it's now a morbid but real tourist attraction and known as the Gates of Hell. What a planet oh. we run. We're doing great on this planet, aren't we, as humans? It's uh, really well, cheery. I know. Well, that, that's the thing. With the, uh, for every gate of hell burning off uh, gas and for every Centralia, there's the treehouse. We look up, they look down. One more peps and we might be, out, we might be done. Well, this... <laughs> Oh, I won't do that one. That really is looking down. Revolving doors. Your recent talk of this is from Stuart. Um, your recent talk of temporary bus stops and revolving doors reminds me of when the two items met at my old workplace. I worked late shifts in a small office building in Knightsbridge, the entrance of which had a medium-sized automated revolving door. One evening, as I strolled out of the building at 11:30 p.m., there was a temporary bus stop inside the revolving door. Oh. I presume put there by some late-night revelers from the nearby bus stop. 
turns out it was quite a genius and precise bit of drunken mischief because the door had sensors. So every time the door tried to turn around, it hit the concrete base and triggered the emergency stop. It was repeatedly doing it. The gap in the door was too small to pull it out. And when the security guards put their arms in to try and lift it up, the sensor was released and the door turned and trapped it even more. <laughs> Man. I went out through the side door and left the security team scratching their heads and never knew what happened. That is that is a, a that is a really great scientific joke, isn't it? I mean that that that's got purpose. I would hate to you know be involved with it, but that was unbelievably. This in, in Bermondsey in the mid seventies, uh, there was a spate, and this is not this is, you know this is not good. No, give me wrong. I'm just telling this as oral history. There was a spate over about six weeks. It made both the Kentish Mercury and the South East South London Press. Um, uh, all three wheel cars over a mile radius were discovered in the morning to be turned upside down. There was a, a, a gang of, yes, probably hobbledy hoys, we say that, I won't gender it, could have been a bunch of girls going around doing it. And under cover of night, they would take any three-wheel car they saw and leave it on its roof. I remember it very, very well. This this happened Go on. to my friend, and I could do this thing because this was my friend Phil, mm -hmm. whose nickname, because he always drove anywhere, was Phil DeMotor. But my mum, but it led to my mum thinking he was Spanish because she thought he was Damota. <laughs> <laughs> Demota. And I can't remember what we talked about once. My mum went, I thought his family was Spanish. Why? Phil Damota. Oh, no, that's not his real name. <laughs> anyway, we were all in a pub. Mm -hmm. We were about 1920. Mm -hmm. And we came out, and as we walked around the corner, someone went, oh, oh. And someone had picked up his fiesta, mm. his pride and joy, Phil Damota. And, and turned it upside down and upside left it down. on its roof. Isn't that odd? It's a, it's, maybe it was some kind of phenomenon in the 70s that the 40 and time should look at. Only three wheel cars, they were quite light, that's what we figured. Well, that's uh, what, with a Fiesta, I know it's a small that's a car, big one. but it's still quite a that's big That's a event. huge one. If you're going to turn a car upside down, you don't start with Fiestas, you build no. the Fiestas. Oh, well, well, this phenomenon may have... Maybe they aged, move out to the burbs and progress to Fiestas. Fiestas, well, anyone who can throw any light on this. I'll tell you what we're finished with, everyone. Uh, and happy weekend, by the way. This is when this one should hit you. This is from Chris, and it's the last of our nickname ones, but uh, oh, it's, it's beautifully written. Uh, my, this is from remember Chris. My nickname has been Barry and has been for more years than I care to remember. A few years ago, I was carrying a bit more weight than I do now and had longer hair. And someone I worked with thought I looked like Barry Evans from EastEnders. You may remember him. He, he played a kind of dozy buffoon. The problem was I was working at a well-known rugby club at the time and news quickly spread around the squad about Barry Evans being me. Every time I spoke in a team meeting, they sang the EastEnders theme tune at oh. me. When there were team photos in front of the national media, the EastEnders theme tune was struck up. Even some of the TV commentators called me Barry and joined in the EastEnders theme tune as I walked by. Now, I don't work at that club anymore, but players who were there at the time, I often come in contact with the clubs I do work at. And guess what? They still strike up, strike up the EastEnders theme every time. The thing is, I'm four stone lighter than I was then and my hair's gone. Barry Evans hasn't even been in EastEnders since 2004, and yet they sing the EastEnders theme tune at me. It makes no sense, Chris. <laughs> and I have to say, Chris, if at any of our get-togethers, which may happen in the future, you introduce yourself. Oh. You've made a rod for your own back, my friend. Uh, play the theme tune there, Phil. One, two, three, four. Three, Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away in the tree.
the fire's on, it's warm inside. We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away in the treehouse. Take it away, Danny! This has been the treehouse, a good deed in a wicked world, everybody. Uh, Louise Napoleon Pepper, the great granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh, on the other side of town, Phil Wilding looking after everything else. But as always, it's been chiefly yourselves. We'll see you next week. <laughs>